additional 20, and you guys just keep sponsoring these kids. But that's being compounded in, in, uh, in increasing education and opportunities for families there. Plus, we're sending two teams, a medical team in March and a work team coming up here in February. It just blows my mind. Okay, so right now, I'm going to have the ushers come, and we're going to worship God in our giving. And, and, yeah, go ahead. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> now, you sent nine teenagers and three adults to Cincinnati to a conference called Follow, and this is them thanking you. Let's watch it together. Hi, I, uh, I am Isaac Aldridge, and I want to thank people for sponsoring me to go to the Follow conference. One spiritual takeaway I had from it was that sometimes you are walking on one path, but God doesn't want you to walk on that path. So you have to go backwards on that path, and then you have to take extra steps to go on his path. And then one of my favorite parts was the concert, because that was a fun concert. Bring it all to peace, the storm surrounding me. Hello, my name is Simon Ivel, and I was sent to Cincinnati to attend the Follow Conference. I would like to thank Summit Church for supporting us and giving me a great experience to get closer to God. What I took away from the Follow Conference is to love everyone just like Jesus did by treating everyone like their own brothers and sisters. My favorite part of the Follow Conference was the exciting energy everyone gave off and just hanging out with my friends at the hotel. Thank you again for sending me out to the Follow Conference. Hello, my name is Trey Swanland. I went to the Follow Conference in Cincinnati back in December. The biggest takeaway that I got from the conference was that God is always there for me and there's always more, for, more of Him. I would say the funniest part of this trip was seeing everybody so tired and sleeping whenever they got the chance. sent me to Cincinnati for follows. In follow, it was amazing. It was a great time with all people. I had new relationships and I learned a lot more about my relationship with God. I thank all of you for sending us and I know I've made some incredible breakthroughs at follow. Hi, my name is Jonah. I went to follow this year. Um, one thing that I learned spiritually from follow this year is that sometimes you have to adjust your playlist. So what that means is sometimes God will want you on a certain path, but you'll choose to not. So you need to open your eyes, basically, and see what, see where God wants you to go. Yeah. 
Hi, my name is Mel Agle, and I'm one of the nine students that Summit was able to send to the 2019 Follow Conference in Cincinnati this year. This conference was just mind-blowing. Being able to see 5,000 other students my age worshiping and just trying to get closer to Jesus was something that I've never seen. And that was really good for me, I think, in my spiritual walk with God. The sermons were amazing there. The messages they had was like, it was talking directly to me. Um, one of the things I learned actually from the sermon was that it's okay to talk to God. If you're angry, it's okay to let God know that you're angry at him for doing something. God works in different ways, I've learned. And I think um, one of the speakers really pointed that out and it really um, applied to what was happening in my life. So that was really cool. Um, and I think that was something I really needed to hear. But that conference was exactly what I made to think. So I'd like to thank uh, Summit, everyone there, for um, sending me. It was very, very important, I think, in my spiritual walk with God. So the main thing I got out of follow spiritually was I just think I got a lot closer to God than I was before. And I know that's really general, but I say this because I do believe I've gotten closer. And I think the reason is because of the amount of people at Volo. Because I've been to a couple other youth camps before with only like 100 or 200 other kids. But Volo had almost like 5,000 kids. And I think it made it easier on me because we're all here for the same reason. And that's just to worship God. And a highlight, I think, was the speakers at Follow because they were pretty impactful and I think they had a really good message, each and every one of them. My name is Brayden Bojan and from the Follow Conference I got that uh, God doesn't want me to just rely on my own strength for different things that um, I experience in my life and that He wants me to share the weights that I carry with the people around me and my friends and the people that he's provided my life. Bring it all to peace. Storm surrounding me. Let it break. At your name. Still. Call the sea to still. The raging me. Hi, I'm Cadence, and I think my favorite part of Follow was the last night. Um, there were about 5,000 of us all in this big room just praising Jesus at the end of the service. And it felt so amazing. And I just remember thinking that I didn't want to leave, I didn't want it to end. Um, and I think I always want to carry that with me, just knowing how many other people are with me in this walk for Christ, that I'm never alone, and that I can be bold. <laughs>
That bring a tear to anybody's eyes but me. If Summit Church didn't exist, we wouldn't have testimony like that. Village in Guatemala wouldn't be invested in like you're investing in it. And uh, it's pretty sweet to be a part of a body like this. And, uh, and I'm believing God's going to use Summit right here in our community and beyond for the glory of God as we seek Him together. I love some of those expressions and... Uh, those are some great, great, great kids. Thank you, Summit Church. All glory to God for you. Yeah, can we just let us shout glory to God? Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, so we're working through the Gospel of John, as, as God allows. And uh, today we're in chapter 13, verse 18. Uh, the focus here uh, shifts to Judas Iscariot. If you could give Judas Iscariot a name in one title... Anybody, what title would that be? Did you, the word they're saying is betrayer. How would you like that to be your legacy? The betrayer of Jesus Christ. But the fascinating thing, and we're going to see it in the text today, and you need to hear it, is the word acceptance. Because of God's incredible grace, he allows Judas to have seat of honor at his table. And you need to know, he has a seat of honor for you. And we can play around in the dark with our little secret sins like Judas had his betraying Jesus. But God already knows there's nothing secret in his presence. Yet in the midst of that, he has a place for you, a seat of acceptance at the table. So let's walk the scripture. Uh, do you have your Bibles open? Can I see your devices or your Bibles or something? You got them? Oh, look at that. Yay, cool, awesome, awesome, awesome. I was listening to a preacher this week who said, I can't wait till they come out with a Bible app that you actually hear the pages turning. <laughs> I like that very much. Verse 18, Jesus talking. I am not referring to all of you. I know whom I have. What's that word right there next? chosen yeah but this is to fulfill this passage of scripture so he's saying there's a prophecy in the old testament i want to show it to you and this is being fulfilled right now it's actually psalm 41 9 david's probably referring to a guy who was once a very trusted friend his name ohithophel but ohithophel who once sided with david joined a rebellion against David, led by David's own son, Absalom. Oh my goodness, right? And so this is, this is the prophecy. Now, fascinating. Probably didn't know this. But both Ahithophel, who's happening in the psalm, and Judas, the prophecy fulfilled, they both ended up hanging themselves. Here's the quote. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Man, how many times has Jesus said that in John? But here's the focus of what God's put on my heart in this text today. Look at this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. Who's he sending here? Judas. 
Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he has said this, Jesus was troubled in the spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who, who is that? John, the guy writing this, right? Refers to himself as a disciple Jesus loved was reclining next to Jesus, Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus and literally into Jesus' chest, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, now look at this chilling thought here, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the, t- at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Interesting. You probably know what the letters IQ stand for, right? What do they stand for? IQ. Intelligence quotient. But do you know what the letters AQ stand for? Not so popular the acceptance quotient. And right here in the middle of Jesus talking to and about his betrayer, he gives us very, verse 20, very truly I tell you, whoever accepts or takes hold of anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. So let's just be honest here a minute. Everybody at this table is going to betray Jesus ultimately, but none as, as harshly or as final as, as Judas, as far as Jesus is concerned, everyone at that table was offered acceptance. Interesting. There's a bunch of talk about IQ these days, intelligence quotient. As, as we said, over the years, been many tests developed to, to, to help determine a person's ability to remember facts, to think imaginatively, arrange information in logical order, or, or solve problems. The intent was to make sure that the intellectually gifted were being challenged to their maximum potential. Sadly, many of those people took this far too seriously. It ended up hurting them. Others felt like they didn't measure up. That is the intelligence quotient. A small boy, a priest, and the smartest man in the world were on a private plane when suddenly the plane developed engine trouble. Pilate did everything he could to get that plane under control, but realizing he couldn't, he quickly grabbed one of the only three parachutes and jumping out the plane, he told everybody they would do well to follow him out. Well, with only two chutes remaining, the smartest man in the world said, I'm the smartest man in the world. The world needs me. I must jump. So he took a pack, jumped out of the plane. Priest looked at the little boy and said, my son... I have lived a long, full life. You are young. You have your whole life in front of you. Take the last parachute and live in peace. And the little boy said, relax, Father. The smartest man in the world just jumped out with my backpack. (laughs) 
I think that we would all agree. Intelligence comes, in, intelligence comes in different forms. One person might be a mathematical genius but can't figure out how to butter his own toast, right? One person might score high on an IQ test but doesn't know how to relate with people on the most basic social levels. The truth is there are multiple intelligences. One person might be really smart in one area, not so smart in, in another area. So what does that tell us? It says, let's be careful what tools we're using to assess people. Is that fair? Let's be careful how we're assessing people. Jesus cares less about a person's IQ and more about a person's AQ, acceptance quotient. He cares more about relationships than he cares about how smart a person might be based on some assessments some person or persons came up with. So here's a definition of acceptance. The willingness and ability to receive others and recognize their worth without holding them to some predetermined standard or performance. Is that fair enough? Fair enough? Not sure. Okay, well, let's explore this further. What this means is that you're valuable just the way you are. You're valuable just the way you are. It allows you to be the real you. It means that you don't need to fit into some mold that somebody might be trying to squeeze you into. It means your ideas need to be taken seriously because your ideas are re a reflection of who you are. It, it means that you can talk about what you feel inside and why you feel that way and honestly believe that someone cares and will take you seriously. Acceptance means Go ahead and try your ideas without fear of being shot down. Yeah. Acceptance means you can ask questions that go against tradition, that go against the mainstream, and challenge common thinking. You can do that, and no one can pronounce judgment on you at all, even if they happen to disagree. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't be shown to be wrong or have to be corrected al along the way. But what it means is this. You're accepted just the way you are. Would you say, I'm accepted just the way I am? Can you say it like you believe it? Let's say it. I'm accepted just the way I am. Would you tell somebody near you, you're accepted just the way you are? Never mind that look of skepticism they're trying, okay? So, so let me just pose this question right here. Who might God want you to extend grace to that might not be lining up with your personal expectations? And how might God might you want to understand today his acceptance of you? Jesus said, Whoever accepts the one, that takes hold of the one I send, accepts me. Now, let's get a couple of qualifiers on the table, because I don't think we'd be honest if we, if we don't do this. Does this mean that we accept people while kicking discernment out the window? And you say, what in the world is, is discernment? Well, 
it means that you don't have to be blind if you're sensing that someone may have ill intentions or, or someone may be a threat or a danger to, to others or, or themselves or have a weakness or be about to do something stupid. <laughs> and I, I think you know me personally that one of my rules for life is never to trust a person who asks me to trust them. <laughs> okay, just doesn't work. You don't ask for trust. Trust is an experience as we do life together, right? But it means we love them and accept them, but we do exercise discernment, and that's okay. A sign at a front desk in a country inn in England reads this way. Since we are all one big happy family, please introduce yourself to your fellow guests. And then right below it, it says, don't leave your valuables unattended. Yeah, hmm, I heard that, yeah. So, uh, so discernment's good. And this leads to the second thing. Does acceptance mean that we deny the fact that we are all sinners? Can I just tell you, that approach would totally mess you up. And again, I tell this once in a while because it had such a mark on me. I remember a family that was significant to me when I was a little boy. And that whole family came to Christ, and they were all excited about the Lord. They were all excited about their their church, and then one day I noticed that they stopped going to church altogether. And so I want to know, well, what happened to you guys? And they said, well, you can't believe it. Somebody opened their car door and hit ours, leaving a mark and didn't even bother to leave a note. Oh, terrible. But you know what? That's tragic denial. And if you're looking for a fellowship of perfect people, you are destined for a life of loneliness, okay? We are all sinners, okay? We all blow it, and we all do stupid things. Anybody else besides me? Yeah, thanks for being so honest, right? A third qualifier is acceptance doesn't mean, uh-oh, and right here, I'm, this, is, uh, sp- this is spiritual warfare ground, but um, I'm being as true to my understanding of God and God's truth as I can be, so I hope you're open to hear this, but it doesn't mean tolerance like it's being defined today. And I make no apologies for that. It doesn't mean that we celebrate and embrace somebody's sin, right? We don't judge people. It's not our job to judge people. But why would we want to affirm someone in those things that we know are going to end up disillusioning them and frustrating them and leaving them empty? That would not be love. And one of my life-driving principles has been, I would rather speak truth to you and love today and have you be angry at me today than for me to convince you that I'm the greatest person in the world and you to come back to me years later and say, why didn't you tell me? And that's a principle for life. And then just one more qualifier. Does acceptance mean that we should all look the same and act the same. No. Acceptance means you can be authentic. It means you can be uniquely you, who you really are, without fear of rejection. So you're hearing this and you're saying, Pastor Mike, how does that fit into the text? And that's a great question because Jesus is dealing with Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, who's on an evil mission to have Jesus arrested and it's here jesus said whoever accepts anyone i send accepts me and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me is that fascinating i mean look at the context of the statement whoa i just got stuck here 
You know, if you were here last week, we explored the first half of John 13, where we saw Jesus Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. Highest office in, in, in the universe and beyond. King of kings and Lord of lords. Yet he got down on, uh, on his knees to do what was considered one of the most disgusting tasks of his day. He washed his disciples' feet. And man, that's really small when you consider that Jesus, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, stepped off his throne to reduce himself to a mere man. And it's small when you consider the fact that he allowed himself to be beaten near to death by the very people he came to rescue. And it's small when you consider that the King of kings and Lord of lords allowed himself to be nailed to a cross where we would suffer to death to to bear the sins and deal with the sins of of you and, and me. He put on a robe and he washed disgusting feet, a slave designated for a slave. And and guess who one pair of those feet belonged to? Yeah, Judas Iscariot. There it is, right? In verse 18, Jesus makes this announcement. He who shared my bread has turned against me. And just imagine yourself at this table for a moment. I mean, imagine Jesus calling you out right there in front of everybody on your secret sin and then sharing the kind of destiny that you're going to face. I I hope that right there I would just start weeping and say, Lord, have mercy on my soul. But not Judas. Judas is so fixated on turning Jesus in that at this point, there's no way he's going to turn back. He's simply looking for the right moment. Okay, now consider this teaching of Jesus. He said in another place, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Well, what's Jesus doing right here? He's not preaching that message. He's not teaching that message, except he's teaching it by example. He's living it. Jesus is showing incredible acceptance right here. He washed his betrayer's feet. Anyone who accepts the one I send accepts me, and anyone who accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Oh, but it goes further, and it gets better. It does. Watch this, okay? Watch this. Not only does Jesus allow his betrayer at his table, he gives him the seat of honor. Well, how do we know that? Well, there weren't chairs at these tables. They sat low to the ground, right? And in order to eat and sit at the table, you had to to, to lay on your left side, holding yourself up by your left elbow with your feet away from the table. Is anybody glad for chairs today? Yeah, yeah, I am too. Well, Peter must have been sitting across the table because in verse 24, he motions to John to find out who this betrayer is. And rather than turning his head, all that John had to do was to lean into Jesus' chest and and look up and speak to him. That means left hand, left elbow, got the picture, leaning toward Jesus, feet behind him. In verse 26, Jesus said, "'It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread.'" When I have dipped it in the dish, then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Well, what does that tell us? That tells us that Judas was sitting within reach of Jesus because Jesus didn't have much motion in this table. 
that seat on the left side was considered to be the seat of honor. Now, go and get Da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper and take a look at it because he understood this scripture, right? And where does he put John? Puts John on Jesus' right side. Where does he put Judas? Puts him on Jesus' left side. Where is Simon Peter? Well, he's across the table. It's a picture of God's incredible grace and acceptance right here. Jesus stepped off his throne for Judas. Jesus washed Judas' feet. Jesus suffered and died for for Judas. And Jesus gave Judas a seat of honor at his own table. And friend... He does the same thing for you. Even right now, whatever it is you're you're doing in in the closet or in the dark, he knows, and it's true, and someday it's going to be exposed, but right now he wants you to know, come now, I'm extending grace and acceptance to all who will receive it. But Judas walked with Jesus for, for three years. He heard all the sermons. He saw all the miracles. Get this. In Jesus' name, Judas even did miracles himself. The others are watching this. They're, they're clueless. The whole time, Judas is living this, this double life, hiding behind a facade of sincerity. Jesus knew it all. Gives him the place, the great place of acceptance. And then a final chilling moment, verse 27. Satan came upon Judas with vengeance, and he went out to do what he'd been planning all along. John wrote this like 60 years later. He had plenty of time to think about it. And the Holy Spirit directed him on where to focus. And here's the bottom line. Jesus didn't just talk about humility and acceptance. Jesus lived it. And he lived it toward his enemies, which we all were at one time. The King of Kings, Lord of Lords, steps down off his throne for you. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords, willing to be your servant and wash your feet, willing to give you the seat of honor, even extending to you the hand of fellowship. And in the midst of this, there's betrayal. We want to do the right thing, but we do the wrong thing. But being as much human as he was divine, Jesus' heart is breaking at this moment. It's breaking. But, but don't misinterpret a broken heart. He's not bitter. No, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God accepts us, and gestures of acceptance come hard for us. They seem to come at, at, a, at a great price. Yeah, we can stand against the world's evils without, without giving up this acceptance quotient. God accepts us just the way we are. He transforms us into all he wants us to be, and then he wants us to extend that same grace to others. So since we're talking about intelligence quotients versus acceptance quotients, how about we do a little acceptance quotients test, okay? All right, I think I just have three questions here, okay? First question is this. How do you do accepting people without partiality or the word favoritism? Check out James chapter 2 because uh, we see favoritism happens in many ways. But in James chapter 2, this very fine-looking, well-dressed rich man comes into a room. And then right behind him, 
comes this clearly poor, poorly dressed man. And then the question is posed, do we treat one differently over the other? Do we tend to label people with, with like letters like W for weird, L for loser, right? SA for stay away, OT for uh-oh, there's one of those. Yeah, it's a test. Second question. How do you do accepting another person's style without criticism? Okay, so we're not talking about matters of right or wrong right here, but we're talking about personal expression. You know, for, for a long, long time, I, I had no category for rap music. Rap music, okay? Right? In fact, I wouldn't have even called it music. I might have called it something that rhymed with rap, but I wouldn't have called it music, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) And then I went to this this concert, Toby Mac. In fact, I went to his concert three times with teenagers, and I heard him incredibly blend other forms of music with, with rap, and God was using it to reach kids. It was awesome. So who in the world am I to say what God will use or not use? If he wants to use rap, all glory to him, right? The same would be true with modern art. Oh, do not take me to a modern art exhibit place, okay? Thank you very much. Go ahead, Derek. Have a good time. Glad you figured that one out. She took me recently. And how much fun did I have? Yeah. She took me to see the movie Cats recently. It was sheer hell. I'm just saying. Men, avoid that movie. Unless, of course, you're wired differently than me. Then go ahead and enjoy cats. (laughs) Third question in our test. How do you do at handling offense without holding a grudge? You know, I think the best book that I've ever read, and there's actually a study, is called The Bait of Satan, and it shows how we'll take offense, offense, and hold it in our hearts thinking that we're actually controlling other people when in reality it's destroying us from within. In fact, Ephesians 4 handles it beautifully, and that's the basis of the book in the study, 426, where the Bible says, in your anger do not sin. Ooh, that means there's a reason to be angry. Did you know you can measure a man by what it takes to make him angry? Ooh, I didn't like that one very well. Yeah, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. How do we do that? By holding a fence in our hearts. I've heard people say that they're not going to go to church because of all the hypocrites who are at churches, and I say, come on in. There's always room for more, right? (laughs) Because people are tough, and church would be a whole lot better if it wasn't for all of you (laughs) and me, right? Yeah. But the key to acceptance will not be found when everybody's at last living up to my personal standards, okay? And Valerie still wants me to write that book, How to Do Everything, right? Yeah. It's going to be at the place where we learn to set aside our differences and find the place of celebrating the uniqueness of each individual. 
Acceptance doesn't require that we abandon our biblical values. It's merely celebrating, and I want to read this statement. I just got inspired here. It's merely celebrating each person for the unique piece of art they are, that they were created by a limitlessly, delightfully creative God. And he made you. (laughs) That's right. So, wrap this up. How's your intelligence quotient? I have a hunch you're pretty smart, people. But the greater question here is, how's your AQ? How's your acceptance quotient? Because in the kingdom of God, that's the only one that's going to matter. And I've got good news. God accepts you today. And he invites you to the place of honor. Oh, wherever you are, I just challenge you. Find God where you are and take a moment. Recognize his presence. Pause and enjoy him and see what he'll do. Yeah, yeah. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, thank you right now that you're speaking beyond anything that's been said. And that's awesome. Thank you that you're doing your work in each one of us. Thank you for accepting me. And Lord, through the course of this, there's a number of convicting points to me personally, things that I need to pause and consider and even repent of. So we look to you. But at the end of each message, there are two questions on the floor. Would you please consider these questions right now? What is it that God is saying to you today? Maybe even write it down. And then the second question builds off it. How would he have you to respond? Just like God's spirit moving, we'll continue worshiping.